Chapter Thirteen of the World's Lumber Room by Selina Gay. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen: Animal Scavengers, Termites, etc. Nature has other ways of disposing of her vegetable refuse besides those already mentioned. In tropical regions, especially where the land is not fully cultivated, a fallen tree has but little chance of quietly mouldering away instead of this it is devoured and that with wonderful rapidity by the various species of termites called bugabugs in africa cooping in brazil wood ants and white ants in the west indies ants they are not however for though closely resembling them in many of their ways they differ from them in the shape of their wings etc and their larvae or grubs are active creatures with six legs like the perfect insect whereas the ant grubs are legless and worm-shaped termites belong to the same order of insects as the dragonfly that is the neuroptera or nerve-winged order in every nest there are three classes of insects the labourers whose mouths are adapted for gnawing the soldiers who have large heads wherewith to inflict deadly wounds on an enemy and the king and queen who spend their lives in retirement and are diligently waited on by their subjects the queen is from three to six inches long and lays about sixty eggs a minute which are at once carried off by her attendants to the nurseries there to be carefully watched and tended the nursery walls by the by are slightly covered with mould which under the microscope resolves itself into minute white globules of the size of a small pin's head and the shape of mushrooms and it is probable these tiny fungi are grown purposely as food for the grubs the nest of the termite surnamed bellicosus warlike is a wonderful construction shaped like a haycock or sugar-loaf and as it is from eight to twelve feet high when several are built together they might easily be mistaken for a native african village if our buildings bore the same proportion to our size as these nests do to the size of the termites which are only about a quarter of an inch long we should be living in houses more than half a mile high or nearly five times the height of the great pyramid footnote the labourers are a quarter of an inch the soldiers half an inch long End of footnote. yet they are completed in three or four years and in the second and third year are covered with a growth of grass etc which as it withers in the sun gives them the appearance of haystacks in africa they are made of a yellow clay which is worked until perfectly smooth and as it hardens becomes almost as solid as sandstone and strong enough to bear the weight of a man or horse and even a loaded cart the cooping nests are smaller but the walls are six inches thick and so hard as to be cut open with difficulty in ceylon the nests are not destroyed even by the monsoon rains which no mortar or cement is able long to withstand and the clay is so extremely fine and pure that the goldsmiths there use it in preference to all other substances for the moulds of their finer castings for the same reason it is used for making idols other termites make their nests of black clay and in the shape of cylinders 
which, being three-quarters of a yard high and having conical roofs with overhanging eaves, look like gigantic mushrooms. Others, again, use a sort of paste made of wood, gum, and the juices of trees, with which they build nests among the boughs as large as bushel baskets, and strong enough to resist the fury of a tornado. But whatever their habitations, all the termites are alike in the wonderful rapidity with which they will remove anything perishable which comes in their way. It is said that not even fire and tornado equal in this respect the termite hosts, which in a few weeks will destroy and carry away the trunks of large trees without leaving a particle behind. In this way they clear the ground for a fresh growth, and in the tropics, where vegetation matures rapidly and the guinea grass reaches a height of thirteen feet in five or six months, it is highly important that all plants should be removed as soon as they have reached perfection and begin, as they do at once, to decay. But for the termites there would not be a forest left in the world, for the dead would choke the living. Then the absence of foliage would so alter the climate that droughts would ensue, and the land would be turned into a desert. So that, as Mr. Smithman says, mankind would probably suffer less from the loss of one or two of the larger animals than it would from the extermination of the termites. They seldom attack a healthy tree, and probably when they appear to do so, it will be found that disease of some sort has really begun its inroads but any stake in a hedge which has not taken root they at once destroy if the bark be sound they enter at the bottom and completely hollow it out otherwise they first cover it carefully with clay as though blind they will not work in the light it must be confessed that they do not distinguish as one could wish between wood that is useful and wood that is useless to man dead wood is never anything but dead wood to them and thus they have been known to destroy all the timber-work of a spacious apartment in a few nights, so carefully concealing their ravages, however, that their presence could not be suspected. In a single night in Japan they have made a tunnel as thick as a man's little finger through the floor, up one leg of a table, across the top, and down another leg. Some large species begin work several feet below the foundations of a house, and tunnel their way up through the floors and into the furniture, the position of which they seem to know with the utmost accuracy. The only way to prevent their ravages is to place the legs of every chair and table in pans of water, a precaution which, of course, is out of the question with doorposts, etc., and thus it happens that all the timber of a house may be perforated in every direction until nothing but a thin crust, no thicker than a sheet of paper, remains. In some cases they seem to know when a post has a weight to support, and are careful to fill it up with clay, but where the woodwork is not used as a prop they see no need for such precautions, and the owner who is thus literally eaten out of house and home may be first made aware of the fact by finding his window-sills crumbling away beneath his touch. Neither wine-casks nor scientific instruments are safe from them, and at Tobago they once caused the loss of almost a pipe of Madeira wine. But they do not confine their attentions to wood. 
an unfortunate engineer in brazil who had just returned from an expedition with a collection of plans etc left his trunk on a table for the night and found next morning that all his clothes and papers had been destroyed not a square inch of the latter being left while every atom of pencil lead and all had entirely disappeared boots and shoes they will devour in a single night and one wonders how the dwellers in equinoctial america contrive to keep a roof over their heads or clothes on their backs and it certainly is no marvel to learn that it was a rare thing to find among the natives any papers more than fifty or sixty years old in humboldt's day several species inhabit the warmer parts of europe and a colony probably imported from the west indies have established themselves in la rochelle where besides doing other damage they have eaten up the whole of the town archives with the exception of the topmost sheet under cover of which they pursued their destructive labours without attracting attention in america where it is no uncommon thing to find wood-built towns and villages once populous suddenly for one reason or another abandoned and left to decay the termites will come and take possession and completely clear the ground doing their work too so thoroughly that not a doorpost or a trace of one will be left unless it happens to have been of teak or ironwood they will work moreover with such amazing rapidity that in two or three years from the time of their arrival the site of the town will be covered with a thick growth of vegetation in hot countries however nature has a wonderful number of other labourers employed in the work of removing dead vegetable matter though the termites are certainly the most expeditious of any what they are on land that the teredo is in the ocean which but for the labours of this creature would be choked in spite of its vastness by the large quantities of timber to say nothing of wrecks which it is constantly receiving by far the larger part of this wood floats until it becomes waterlogged and this being the case when it does at last sink it must do so too far from shore to have much chance of being covered with mud or sand and converted into coal seventy miles from the mouth of the abano river of new guinea the challenger found the sea so blocked with driftwood that her screw had to be constantly stopped long lines of it were passed consisting partly of whole trees but chiefly of broken pieces of wood with the stems of a large kind of cane grass various fruits and other fragments and the seeds of inland plants but no leaves for these drop first near the shore a wide area of the sea in this region is constantly covered with driftwood which seems to have a special population of its own much of the softer vegetable matter decays and dissolves and so helps to feed the whole kingdom of protozoa as well as more highly organized forms of animal life but the wood might last for ages under water if there were no means of getting rid of it except by the slow process of decay for one of the old wooden ships of the northmen has been lately dug up from the place where it sank and was buried some thousand or more years since and oak is still in existence which is known to have been driven into the bed of the thames in the time of julius caesar nearly two thousand years ago 
but neither wrecks nor driftwood are left to accumulate thanks mainly to the curious teredo or shipworm which is really a bivalve having a very small shell only a few lines broad in fact while its greyish-white worm-like body is a foot long and half an inch thick this creature bores deep tunnels in submerged timber and does its work so quickly that a piece of hard sound wood is completely riddled in five or six weeks though extremely useful in its right place it has at times done much mischief and it is as a protection against its ravages that ships are sheathed with copper and the timber of piers and jetties etc are studded with iron nails the rust from which soon spreads over the whole surface and renders it unpalatable dockyards have sometimes suffered much from it and the dutch have been greatly alarmed by its attacks on the wooden piles supporting the all-important dikes which alone preserve their country from being flooded by the north sea the pholus rock-boring venus etc already mentioned as piercing stone also help to clear away dead wood but to return to the land where there are numerous other removers of dead vegetable matter in the tropics a large proportion of insects of all orders but especially beetles are more or less dependent upon vegetable matter particularly bark timber and leaves in various stages of decay and the number and variety of insects which may be collected in a given time depends upon the number of trees which have been or are being cut down in the aru islands we are told by mr a r wallace no sooner is a tree felled than it is attacked by swarms of little wood borers hundreds of which perish from their over-eagerness being glued into their holes by the outflow of sap numerous species of small beetles lay their eggs in dead wood and the larvae as soon as hatched begin making tiny galleries in all directions a quantity of oak timber was thus once destroyed in the royal dockyard of sweden and we all know the look of old furniture which we call worm-eaten each of the small holes is in fact the door of a gallery made by some beetle grub some years since a whole cargo of cork was destroyed by minute beetles and their grubs which also damaged the timbers of the ship in which it was conveyed much loss has also been occasioned by beetles which have chosen the corks of wine bottles as a convenient place to lay their eggs in the most destructive wood-eating beetle in england is the weevil which gnaws a hole in the bark and then drives a tunnel into the solid wood where it lays its eggs and frequently dies thus effectually stopping the entrance with its own body against all enemies the eggs are soon hatched and then each grub burrows a tunnel for itself from an inch and a half to two inches long which it widens as it grows a number of these insects together will entirely peel a tree and thus cause or probably rather hasten its death since it seems very doubtful whether they ever attack a perfectly healthy tree it would take too long to mention separately all the various beetles which feed on decaying vegetable matter wood leaves bark seaweed and fungi fungi are frequented by very many species which as they are not found elsewhere seem to be entirely dependent upon them for food 
it may however be stated that the ticking sound called the death watch which is often heard in old houses is the call of a small beetle always found in dead wood in cold climates the caterpillars of the wood leopard and goat moths feed on decaying timber and as the latter spend about four years in the caterpillar state apparently never ceasing to eat they bore considerable tunnels not only in fallen trees but in those which but for them might long remain standing the goat moth caterpillar when full grown is three inches or more long and as thick as a man's finger and since as many as sixty-seven have been found in the mere splitting of a piece of trunk two feet long it is no wonder that many an elm and willow are unable to stand against the wind after being colonized by them it is perhaps when we consider the vast amount of damage which wood-eating insects inflict upon us that we best realize the great services they also render for in a fully cultivated country it is the havoc which they play that chiefly comes under our notice certain fly-grubs also feed on rotten wood decaying roots etc the jet ant makes its nest in decaying trees and so do the wood wasps which abound throughout europe and north america the titmouse and woodpecker are sometimes accused of injuring trees but it seems unjustly for they are said never to bore into healthy bark there are grubs beneath however well they may look and it is for these they tap the wood at the same time when a tree is diseased they help on the mischief by making a hole in the tainted wood where they build their nests and open a way for the rain to penetrate worms may be said to be very perfect scavengers as far as their powers go since they not only remove refuse but turn it to good account as manure and that without rendering themselves disagreeable which is more than can be said for some other creatures they are omnivorous and besides dragging large quantities of leaves down into their burrows as linings as well as food they also feed on decayed flowers even their own dead comrades and in fact decaying matter of all kinds they add largely to the organic matter of the soil and therefore to its fertility not only by the enormous quantity of leaves they carry down but by burying bones shells leaves twigs and refuse of all kinds beneath their castings the leaves they feed upon are torn into small shreds partially digested and mixed with earth and it is this which gives vegetable mould its dark tint slugs and snails hardly deserve any notice as scavengers since though they do eat fallen leaves they live chiefly on sound ones as the gardener knows to his cost End of chapter thirteen